I want to uh, start this morning a series that we're going to do over the next three or four months. So if you really don't like this morning, <laughs> don't come back for a while. Uh, it's, it's actually the glory of God and the kingdom of God tied together. And so you'll hear about that more a little bit next week. But something just hit me this week. And so let's, let's pray. Lord, it's just such a privilege that we can gather. Uh, again, there's so many places around the world that the church hasn't gathered for a year. They're stuck to, to the technology of Zoom and online. And while that's great, Lord, we realize that there's something, uh, just a privilege that we can. And we thank you for that. Well, Lord, it's not the gathering that makes us different. It's you. And so we thank you for your presence this morning, even as we worship. Thank you that, Holy Spirit, you lead us into truth. We open our hearts to you. We say, please do what only you can do. We need you terribly. In Jesus' name. Amen. In Exodus 33, from verse 14, uh, the story is that Moses has gone up on the mountain and God's given him the, the uh, tablets, the Ten Commandments, and he came down and found them serving idols and he got upset and he broke it and, and he went back and basically God said, look, I'm going to send you up and I'm going to send an angel with you. And uh, Moses was basically saying, that's not good enough. How many of us would say an angel of God isn't good enough? But see, he had actually experienced something. In verse 14, God says, and he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate your people and I, from all the people who are on the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. Basically, he was saying, God, it's your presence that we want. And if we found grace, don't send us without your presence. And God said, you found grace. This is before Jesus. How much more us? And then Moses said, and he said, please, show me your glory. Show me your glory. He said, Lord, I want your presence and I want your glory. Show me your glory. I struggle with, with the word glory a little bit because I had a friend uh, number of years ago, a lovely guy, Pentecostal guy, and uh, we would play golf together sometimes, and his expression for anything that went good was glory, glory, glory. So he'd hit a golf shot, and he'd go, glory. I'd say, Marlon, good shot, glory. I want to say, that's not glory, that's golf. <laughs> Just made me realize how we can reduce that to become an expression. 
But the word glory, the word kabod in, in Hebrew that's translated glory means weight, wealth, honor. Literally, it comes from the word weight. It means something that's heavy, something that's weighty. And in the, the Bible, something that was weighty was considered honorable, and something that was light or, or flimsy or something was considered less honorable. So there was something of weight. So he's actually talking about glory being the weight of God's presence, the substance of God's presence. There's something of God's presence that is a weightiness about it. Not some flimsy idea. Sometimes we get certain images uh, that, that the presence of God is like a mist or a fog that floats over us. Now, God can manifest himself that way, and it could be, but that's not the weighty presence. The presence is, is him. See, when God shows up, the weight of his presence has many different effects. But the effects are the byproduct of his presence. They're not the thing we aim at. They're not the goal. They're the byproduct when we aim at him. I've twice in my life felt a literal weight of God's presence. So much so that I felt like I was just being smashed into the floor. One time that was associated with a heat. And I got to the point where I said, God, don't kill me. It was, it was something that in that place of God's presence, he was confirming a prophetic word that was being spoken. But it wasn't something that I said, I want to experience this all the time, because I really thought, I might die. Fortunately, I didn't. God's good. Glory! But sometimes... The weight of God's presence brings us to tears. Sometimes laughter. Sometimes falling down. Sometimes shaking or trembling. Sometimes we can even get frozen in place. But a move of God, we were part of a church in Adelaide, and for some reason God was moving that way. And I remember at one point... I was, had been down on my knees and I started to get up and I got about to like this and I just froze in the presence of God. And it, what felt like to me about 30 seconds, someone told me afterwards that was there 15 minutes. Now, I try to do that now <laughs> and I could not hold that pose for 15 minutes. Uh, but it's not the effect that we aim at. Sometimes we have a sense of awe or wonder. Sometimes we're just overwhelmed. Sometimes there's something of a holy fear that we just know God's here. What I want to say that those are the effects 
but they're not the goal. Sometimes I cry, and it's not the presence of God at all. I try not to. I was raised with the uh, steely-eyed Clint Eastwood look. <laughs> and so sometimes we'll watch something together, and I get overwhelmed with emotion, and I cry. And so I don't watch those shows with Mary very often because it really wrecks my steely-eyed Clint Eastwood image. <laughs> Crying isn't the presence of God. But sometimes the presence of God can make us cry. Mary and I lived in uh, Colorado, and they have in the mountains these groves of aspen trees. Absolutely stunning, and they change colors in the fall. And we would, almost every year, we would go find where the aspen groves were. And they, they have this little leaf that is very uh, sensitive, and when there's any breeze, it begins to, to shake. They're called quaking aspen, because with any breeze, they'll begin to, to shake, and so it has this kind of shimmering effect. And so usually you can see the aspen shake, and you know the breeze is blowing, but just because the aspen leaves are shaking doesn't mean the, the breeze is blowing, because a bear pushing against the tree can shake the, the leaves. Or a person shaking a, a tree. When there was no breeze, we'd go shake the tree and, and get the same effect. So what I'm saying is the shaking of leaves isn't the wind. But sometimes the wind shakes the leaves. Are you still with me? Does that make any sense at all? What in the world is this guy talking about? There's something of God's presence, the weightiness of God's presence, that makes us different from every other people. We've said that before, but I have a sense in my heart that there's something of God's desire to increase the weight of his presence in his people, in his church, in our homes, but there's something we see as we read this, and that is that there's something about us aligning with him that increases the weight of his presence. He has a certain way of doing things. And so Exodus chapter 40, has this inter interesting thing, and from verse 16, they're building a, a tabernacle that God told them to. And from verse 16, it says, Thus Moses did according to all the Lord had commanded him. So he did. Eight times, from 16 to 33, it said that he did it as God had commanded him. God didn't just say, build a tabernacle. He said, build it like this. And the result was, verse 34, then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Just in light of what I said, the cloud wasn't the glory. The cloud was above, and the glory filled. 
Yeah, you'll see later in, in Chronicles that the glory was a cloud. I'm so confused. If you look at 1 Chronicles 28, which is in my Bible here somewhere. Actually, let's go to uh, 7 2 first, and then we'll go back. And here they've, they've built the, t- the temple, which again represents a place for God's presence to dwell. And verse 2, and the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. But that's the result. But in 1 Chronicles 28, from verse uh, 11 and 12, and David gave his son Solomon the plans for the vegetable, its houses, its treasuries, its, its upper chambers, inner chambers, the place of the mercy seat, and the plans for all that he had by the spirit of the courts of the house of the Lord. Verse 19, all this, said David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me all the works of these plans. So Solomon had built a temple, but he didn't, again, God didn't just say build a temple. He gave David a very specific plan that David passed on to a son. Why? What's, what's the point here? The point is this, that God's pattern aligns us with the spirit realm, aligns us with where God is, aligns us with what he's doing. As Tim said, we go to God's address, we don't try and get him to come to ours. Now that sounds weird because he's with us, obviously, that we're filled with the Spirit, and wherever we are, Jesus said, we're two or three are gathered together, there am I in the midst of them. But when we're talking about the weight of God's glory, we're talking about aligning ourselves with him. Just so you're with me, turn over to Hebrews chapter 8. And verse 5 says talking about the priests who serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things. He's talking about the tabernacle, the sanctuary of the heavenly things as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, see that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But now he's obtained a more excellent ministry. He's saying God gave him a pattern. Chapter 9, verse 23 says something similar. Therefore it was necessary that the copy of the things in the heavens should be purified with these, that the heavenly things themselves are better sacrificed than these. Saying these things, this tabernacle and this temple were a copy of something that exists in the realm of the spirit, in heaven where God is. And God was saying you make it this way because it aligns with what actually already exists. You still with me? Does that make any sense? So building according to God's pattern and priorities aligns us with God's presence and allows us to experience a greater weight of that presence. In other words, his glory. As we build 
his way. It aligns us with him and allows us to experience a greater weight. I had a picture of, if you were to picture a fire hose uh, with water coming out, pointing down, and you've got this container, this huge container, and you're wanting to fill it up. And as you move it into the flow, as soon as it gets a little bit, it gets a little bit of, of water going in it, right? But as it aligns up gr- correctly, directly under the flow, it's filled quickly. And so it's not that there's different presence, it's just it's aligned with the flow of where, God, of, of where the, the water's coming. In the same for us, as we build God's way, we align our life, our home, our church with him and we experience his, a greater weight of his presence, his glory. As we align with him. Too often our approach is let's get him behind what we're doing. I've got this great plan, God. Come and join me. God says align with me and then I'll direct you. We'll talk about this a little bit more next week, about how that actually works. But I want you to see there's something of God's increased glory in our lives individually. And then from that, in our homes. And also in our togetherness as a church. There's something of an increased glory of God and presence Back over in Exodus, where we were with with Moses. He said, show me your glory. And God said he would make his goodness pass before him. He said, there's parts that you can't see yet, unredeemed. But the bottom line is that as a result, something happened. Uh, And I got the wrong scripture. 33. Well, that's that's where it was. Oh, sorry. 34.29. I wrote 35.29, so that's what Tony's put up. But he's so amazing and flexible. And I'm just stalling now, if you haven't figured this out, to give him time to get to 34.29. But it said... In 34 to 29, about halfway through it, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. When he came into God's presence, the glory of God, something happened. And he literally began to glow. Now that's a bit weird. Except that if you look over in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says something. I should have marked all these scriptures in my Bible so I could get there quicker. But he says, verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand it gives light to all who, who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. It doesn't tell us how to get light, just as you are. Could it be 
that the weight of God's presence causes something to glow within us. That as we build his way, as we align ourselves with him, you ever seen someone in the shopping center out on the street and you say, I just know that person's a Christian. There's something different. Could it be that it comes from his presence and not from how hard we work at being different? Oh, we want to be good. We want to be loving. Of course we do. But he says it's, it's his presence that makes us different. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, your body is the temple or the dwelling place of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3.17 says, but you, plural, the word is you, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You together. 1 Corinthians 3.9 says, you are God's building. But Ephesians 2.22 says that you are being built together for a dwelling place of God. Are you getting the picture? There's something of God's whole plan which was to bring us into his presence. That's what salvation is about. It's not about going to heaven someday. It's about being restored to this relationship. And then the more we align ourselves with him, the more the weight of his presence we experience, the more of his glory we see, and the more that it has effect. And when you see that and you begin to read the Bible, there's literally dozens and dozens and dozens of scriptures about God dwelling in us. May the Spirit of Christ dwell in you. Obey my commandments, Jesus says, and the Father and I will make our dwelling within you. Again, there's something of us aligning ourselves with him. You still with me? So if we're smart, and of course we are, we'd want to know, okay, how do we build God's way to align with his glory? How do we build God's way? And then we can say more than just glory. We can experience something of the weight, the increasing weight of God's presence. We're going to look at this over the next few weeks and months. And uh, my desire, and I hope to see, an increasing weight of God's presence not just information. But what we're going to see, and I'm going to share with you next week, is that this concept in the Old Testament is tied with the concept of the kingdom of God in the New Testament. And we're going to see that as we build kingdom, it's aligning ourselves with God. And we're going to jump back and forth between these, all the New Testament over the next uh, few weeks. And we're going to talk about building our lives God's way. But one of the things I would just want to say, kind of as a, a tease, is that it starts with praise and worship. Coming into his presence starts with a heart attitude of worshiping and honoring him 
It doesn't start with, I'm going to try and get his blessing on what I want to do. It comes, I'm going to align myself with who he is. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to praise him. Psalm 100, verse 2 and 4. You're looking at it already, aren't you? Sorry, I'm... Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Four, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Come to his presence with singing. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts. It's come to his address. It's not God, get behind me. It's I want to align myself with you and I start with a heart of praise and worship. We're going to look at that over the next few weeks. But I want to ask you, would you join me in going back to Moses' request? Please, show us your glory. Please, show us your glory. See, by asking that, we're committing ourselves to align with him. When we say, God, please show us your glory, we desire an ever-increasing weight of your presence in our lives personally, in our homes, in our gathering together as a church. Show us your glory. We're saying, and I will respond by aligning myself with you. They go together. It's foolish to say, show me your glory, but I'm going to keep doing what I what I want to do. God says, my glory is here. The the fire hose of my presence is being poured out. You just have to get into the right place. Old Pentecostals used to have a a fun expression, the spout where the glory comes out. It's one of those weird, kind of like, glory! You kind of think, that's just weird. But I realize what they're saying now. I still don't like it. (laughs) We're not going to use it. But it's still aligning ourselves with the place where God is, where his presence is. Let me say this. I don't think it's something that is instantaneous. That we just simply say, okay, if the worship team did did the right song, we're going to put it all on them then we'd experience God's glory. Because there's something about the presence of God being carried on the priest, the, the shoulders of the priests. And in the New Testament, in the kingdom, we're all priests. So the more we enter in as individuals to praise and worship, the more we see the weight of God's presence manifest. We can't blame it on the guys up here. If you come and you don't enter... It's your fault. <laughs> you ever wonder why it is that same, same worship time, same songs, and somebody is just overwhelmed on this side by the presence of God. And someone over here is like, duh, 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 duh. When's this? was God over there and not over here? No, it's, hey, they got to the place where they were lined up with him. 
It's not these guys that line us up. It's us that line ourselves. I've made the mistake of saying we're going to do this for a number of months, and some of you are going, okay, I better find another church for a few months anyway. (laughs) It's his presence that makes us different. It's not how hard we work. It's not how much we, if we believe the right things, it's how much we align ourselves with him so that he can be manifest among us. But that starts with submitting to his lordship. That's where it begins. That's how we get into the kingdom. That's how we have access. The whole story of the gospel is that we were separated from God because of sin. We're out of the place of his presence. We're away from him because of sin. Jesus came. He paid the penalty for sin. He took sin upon himself so that we could be free. So that what? We could become the righteous of God so that we could come back into that place of relationship. It begins there and it begins with following him. If we're going to press into his presence, it always starts with the gospel and our focus on Jesus. We're going to find out in the weeks ahead as we talk about the whole aspect of worship. Why do we focus so much on Jesus when we worship? You must have, you probably had that question. Tim's going to tell you the answer to that in a couple of weeks or three or four, somewhere. <laughs> This is kind of a whole uh, fluid, flowing thing. Uh, and I'm going to blame that on the presence of God. Would you bow your head for a moment? I say this all the time, and I want to say it again, that there's nothing more spiritual about having your eyes closed or your head bowed. It just means that for a moment you might not be distracted by other people and other things. Matt shared earlier, and some of the worship songs were about God breaking chains, setting people free. And the very first thing he wants to set us free from is sin. And the selfishness that goes with it. We'll talk about this a bit more next week. But I want to just say, at any point, you can come to Jesus and say, Lord, I turn from living for myself. And I turn to you. Will you forgive me? Will you restore me? I want to follow you. And as we talked about last week, Luke 15, the heart of the Father, he runs to us and throws his arms around us. He doesn't say, well, if you'll do this and this and this and this and this. When you've come to Jesus, you've done everything you have to do. Because Jesus did everything 
to redeem us. But once we've met him, we've entered into his kingdom and then he begins to transform us. He begins to change us. Not just so that we'll be better people, so that we'll be more aligned with him and experience his presence. He, his presence, his glory is what changes the world. I think there's some people here this morning that need to be set free from a feeling of weight that I have to do all the right things because I've got a, a call to change the world. You just have to get closer to Jesus and let his glory shine out. There's some people who need to be set free from a legalism that says, if I obey all the rules, then God will accept me. God already accepts you and loves you. And when we're talking about entering his glory, we're not talking about aligning ourselves, changing things so that we're more acceptable to God. We're just saying, okay, I want to just get under the spout. I said I wasn't going to use that, and I did. Oh, Lord, forgive me. No. Lord, we just say, together. As Moses said, we realize that we found grace in your sight. Undeserved, unmerited favor. Lord, we, there's nothing that we've done, nothing we can do. You've done it in Jesus. We found grace. And so we're bold enough to take the next step and say, God, would you show us your glory? Would you manifest a greater and an increasing weight of your presence? I'm going to ask Matt and the team if they would come back. I haven't, didn't tell them this before. Just, team, if you come. I just, having talked about worship as one of the keys, I just thought it would be good for us to end with the song together. Plus, it's fairly early. And so, uh, I don't know which one we'll end with because I'm going to throw that to Matt. <laughs> because he's much better at this than I am. So I'm going to ask you if you'd stand. We're going to, we're going to finish with this song, but in it, let our heart be God, show us your glory. And if you need a touch of God this morning, if you need a freedom, if you need chains to fall off or you need life to be breathed into dry bones or if you need healing let's ask him to do what only he can do and manifest his glory among us